You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the March 8th episode of the Bacon Bets podcast. We are back in your life after a few-week hiatus. We are back just in time for March Madness, just in time for the conference tournament week, just in time for the Players' Championship. A lot to get through on this show. Like I said, I'm going to go through the conference championship tournaments. I'm going to break down the major conferences and give out my pick for each. And then a few, uh, I'm going to sprinkle in a few picks on some mid-major conferences as well. And then at the end, I'm going to do a quick, uh, well, I don't know how quick it'll be. We'll see. Uh, Breakdown of the players' championship with my outright picks, a few dark horse picks, a few guys to avoid, all that good stuff. So we got college basketball. We got PGA. We got a stacked show today. Uh, before we get into that, though, I, I, I do need to address Cal- <laughs> Calvin Ridley. My Atlanta Falcon was caught gambling on the NFL and has now been suspended from the sport for at least a year. Uh, I don't remember the last time I've seen as many people today um, run to Twitter to tweet out their, their memes and their jokes and their hot takes it was like that news was announced and then like Twitter just got overloaded with just memes, jokes, and I loved it. I scrolled through basically every single one. I sent out a few myself. I don't really have any original takes because I think my takes are basically what I think is the general consensus, which is yes, it's a rule. Yes, he broke it. Uh, yes, he. it was a stupid move, especially, I mean... You're betting on your personal account from your mobile phone. Like, how did you not think that was going to get tracked? Who was it? Red Rock Casino? I think he 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 bet it through, and, like, the NFL has systems in place and, like, a third party that they scan the data and will just report to the NFL if any NFL players um, bet. Like, how did you not think you are going to get caught? You could either, one, use an offshore book and you'd never get caught, or two, just bet through a friend. Why would you ever do that yourself? But still, I think the punishment, and like I said, this is not an original take, the punishment is, does not fit the crime. Let's be honest here, NFL players get charged with domestic violence, drunk driving, you know, several other ways of breaking the law, 
and they at most get a slap on the wrist for the most part. Obviously, there's some cases where uh, guys have, you know, obviously been kicked out of the NFL or suspended for lengthy periods of time, but to suspend a guy for a year that quickly, that just, like, automatic, when there's guys who get criminal charges and sometimes they don't get any suspension. Sometimes they, they get suspended for a couple of games. It just doesn't seem like it's totally fair. Now, if he bet against the Falcons, that's one thing then maybe we can have that conversation. This kind of goes back to the Pete Rose debate, but all reports came out when he bet on Falcons games, he bet on the Falcons. You're allowed to bet on yourself in UFC, MMA, and any martial arts, boxing. Floyd May- Mayweather famously bets on himself all the time. I know a ton of UFC fighters who bet on themselves all the time. You're allowed to do that. I don't see why that rule can't be adopted for other sports. Why can't you bet on yourself? Now, like, once again, if you bet against yourself, that's tough. But if you're betting games that don't involve you or betting games on your team, why not? Is it because, like, sports books think you might have some inside information? I don't know what inside information players would have that the NFL experts that do this for a living, finding out information. I don't know if players would have any more information than the experts on ESPN. Or any other website. And also, it's kind of it's kind of hypocritical. I tweet I tweeted this out. On one hand, betting on NFL games while not actively participating in said games is a deplorable action, worthy of worthy of quicker and harsher sentencing than criminal charges. On the other hand, the NFL is proud to announce its partnership with gambling companies around the world. It's a little hypocritical. You can't get in. I don't really think you can get in bed bed with gambling companies and saying it's the future of the sport. And then, in some ways, kill a guy's career. Now, once again, if you bet against the Falcons, that's a little different. Even though he wasn't playing in those games, that's still, that's tough. But he didn't. He only bet on them. And he didn't even bet, he didn't even bet the right way. He bet parlays. (laughs) Three-game parlays, five-game parlays, eight-game parlays. He made the same noob mistakes that every new better makes. That's tough. Come on, Ridley. Shoot me a DM next time, dude. I'll send you some 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 decent picks. Maybe not in other sports. In NFL, I got you, though, Calvin Ridley. But also, at the same time, with all of that being said, I don't know how much sympathy I feel for the guy. Because he sat out the entire reason for... Or the entire season for mystery reasons. He said it was for, like, mental health or personal reasons. Is that true? If it is, it's a little weird that immediately after the season he demanded a trade. That seems strange to me. Seems strange that he's betting on NFL games while he's sitting out, sitting out for mental health issues. That seems a little strange to me. So, it, in the same breath of me saying he shouldn't have been suspended for the year, I don't know how much sympathy I have for the guy. That's tough. Hopefully that's a lesson to be learned for everyone else in the NFL. Bet through friends or bet on offshore books. Don't use your own name and social insurance number or social security number, whatever you guys call it in the States, to sign up for a legalized, regulated sports book and then bet. And if you're going to do it, don't bet parlays, you morons. Of course, I got tagged in basically every single tweet that came out today because uh, this is the life of a Falcons fan. It's never easy. We can't even have a quiet offseason. There's always something. And now, just as this is going to die down, now I'm going to have to listen to... Falcons fans and other people in the NFL and people creating mock drafts saying the Falcons should take a quarterback in number eight. 
when the GM has already said he's committed to Matt Ryan, when the head coach has already said he's committed to Matt Ryan, when Matt Ryan is still playing at, at, at a very high level, when there is holes in just about every other position on the team, now including wide receiver. But yeah, sure, let's try to draft a, a, a quarterback in a shitty quarterback draft class. Let's waste, let's waste our eighth overall pick on that, sure. Any person who says the Falcons should take a quarterback in this draft is clueless, doesn't know anything about the Falcons, and doesn't know anything about the NFL. Seriously. They're not going to draft a quarterback. They won't. I guarantee it. They will not. Uh, but yeah, I had to address that as a Falcons fan. That was fun to experience. I don't know. In my opinion, Ridley was already gone this season anyways. He was demanding a trade. He didn't play last year, so whatever. But I think it's hypocritical of the NFL, especially to come with that harsh of a punishment that swiftly when, like I said, Ray Rice got, what, two games for straight up knocking out his girlfriend cold? That's tough. That's tough. Um, good luck to the NFL dealing with this with it, with this in the future, because this is going to be an ongoing problem, especially if... Uh, especially with them being in bed with uh, sports betting companies and with how much the sports betting industry has grown. Guys are going to be betting on games, for sure. So, I don't know if just blindly suspending guys for a year a year is the answer. But, we'll see kind of how this develops as the months go on. But, I did have to give my take on that. We have a lot to get through, too, here. Going to start with college basketball tournament picks, breakdowns, all that good stuff. And then finally, at the end, like I said, my breakdown picks. Uh, dark horse bets. And a few golfers you should avoid for the Players' Championship. So, we got a lot to get through Let's jump into the March 8th episode of the Bacon Bets podcast. No, Lisa. The only monster here is the gambling monster that has enslaved your mother. I call him Gamblor, and it's time to snatch your mother from his neon claws. More bacon than the pan can handle. More bacon than the pan can handle. More bacon than the pan can handle. All right, here we go. Let's get into the, the college basketball conference tournaments here. A uh, couple things I will mention uh, before getting into picking. Just be aware, picking futures uh, when it comes to college basketball, especially these conference tournaments, it can be a bit tough because, and this is something I say all the time in basically every single sport, styles make fights. That That's what they say in UFC, but it, I truly think that's something all sports better should consider as well. That it's not just what team's better than the other. It's how the styles of two teams match up. So it's you can kind of guess what teams are going to end up facing each other in conference tournaments. But upsets and other things can change things. Sometimes you're on a team and then all of a sudden they have to play a team you didn't expect they had to play. Uh, and they have a bad stylistic matchup against those teams. So it's a little bit tough. Keep that in mind. Uh, the odds I'm using right now are just from one single site as well, just for kind of simplicity as I'm listing teams' odds. But no matter what team you decide to bet on in these tournaments, just shop around. Shop around because the, the odds are going to be different uh, on several different sites. So the, the odds that I'm listing, um, as well as the team's odds that I'm listing them on, aren't always going to be the best odds out there. Uh, I have three books. I just I just bet on the book that's offering the best odds. To be honest, I, I don't have the patience or the, or the time um, to open up 15 different accounts and have money in 15 different accounts uh, just to get a little bit of a better 
price on some of these to be honest I, I think three I think if you're a casual better I think three is a good number and then just bet uh, the best price over the three so you know the, the odds I'm listing might not or certainly not might not certainly not be the best odds out there but uh, shop around a little bit especially if you want the best odds possible so just keep that in mind but without further ado let's get into the ACC tournament's going to be the first one that I'm going to tackle here now, I actually didn't know this tournament was in Brooklyn. I tweeted out tonight, because uh, I, I knew the Big East tournament was at MSG, obviously. I tweeted out how much it sucks, how expensive the tickets are. Like, the cheapest uh, tickets uh, for, like, quarterfinals onwards is, like, 180 bucks. Uh, I'm not spending 180 bucks to go to these games. So, uh, that was disappointing, because I kind of planned ever since I moved here to go to the Big East tournament. I guess I should have known tickets were expensive. But then someone tweeted at me that the ACC tournament's here in Brooklyn. And I looked up the price for that, like, way cheaper. Like, half the price. If not, like, even more. And it seems crazy to me, because, like, ACC, they might may have had a little bit of a down year, but, like, they're overall a better conference than the Big East, aren't they? The Barclays Center's not that far away from Madison Square Garden. It's like a 30-minute train ride. It's in downtown Brooklyn. Seems crazy to me how much cheaper ACC tournament tickets are, but I will now be definitely be going to the ACC tournament uh, almost for certain on Thursday night. Uh, and I think that's Notre Dame against someone and someone else against someone. I think it's the t- it's two teams that have the double buys. Uh, so we'll see exactly what those matchups are. But I'm pretty excited for that. I've yet to see a college basketball game live. How about that? Obviously, when I live in Canada, you're not going to watch American college basketball live. Uh, and I hadn't gone to a game since I moved here. So uh, excited for that. Uh, and this is a bit of a fun tournament to kind of break down and get into the odds here. So let, let's uh, dive into it. So this tournament starts Tuesday morning uh, with a few of the preliminary round games. Uh, Duke, big favorite. Minus 145 at the book I was looking at. Now, is Duke the best team in the conference? Yes. Should they win this tournament? Yes. But it's going to take a lot for me to bet on a minus 145 favorite in a conference tournament. So I don't think that's where the betting value is personally. So uh, I'm not going to be betting on Duke. I'm only betting on one minus money favorite in the conference tournaments. If you've been kind of following my content, you can guess who that team is. Uh, But we'll get to that uh, a little bit later. Right now at the ACC, so you got Duke minus 145, then you got UNC, Virginia Tech, Wake Forest, Notre Dame, Miami, Virginia. Going to cross off Virginia right away. Their style of play only works if they play good defense, and they have not played good defense. Historically, under Tony Bennett, they've been like a top five defense, if not the best defensive team every single year, especially the team they won the national championship. This year, they're average at best on defense, and it's cost them. Cross Virginia off the list. Uh, UNC, they seem tempting at 7-1, to especially after blowing Duke out of the water at Coach K's final game, which was just a pleasure to watch. Oh, boy. That could not have gone uh, any better for Duke haters and for Coach K haters. But here's my issue with UNC. Defensive issues. 185th in defensive efficiency, 180th in opponent effective field goal percentage. So when you're looking at the top teams in the conference, they are the worst defensive team. So that kind of gives me a little bit of hesitancy uh, with North Carolina. Um, Miami. Miami's kind of a hot team. I bet against them a few times this year, thinking they're going to start to lose, and they just kept winning. But a big issue with Miami, 315th in rebounding rate. So they're going to get out-rebounded in every single game they play. Do I trust a team to win three games in a row, knowing that they're going to be, play, be playing against good teams and they're going to get out-rebounded in all of those games, I can't do it. 
So cross them off the list. Wake Forest, they're a tempting team. Very good shooting team, solid defensively. Turnovers are their issue, though. 209th in turnovers per possession. Another thing with Wake Forest, I'm just going to bring up the uh, the bracket here because uh, I've written down they have they, yeah they have a tough path. They don't have the double bye. They're seated number five. They have to play either Pitt or Boston College and then go on against Miami, which is even though they're a bad rebounding team, tough game. And then Duke in the semis, and then they got to face someone from the other side of the bracket. So very tough route for Wake Forest. So that crosses them off the list for me. So that brings it down to really one team. Also, Notre Dame. Notre Dame's not fantastic at anything. I don't really love Notre Dame. I think the best value on the board, I got them at 11-1. to 1. Um, Wait, was it 11-1 to 1 or 10-1? to 1? But that is Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech, I'm going to list some stats between the two teams here. Virginia Tech, certainly not as good as Duke. Yeah, 11-1 to 1 for Virginia, Virginia Tech. I think that's fantastic value. No, it's certainly not as good as Duke. These numbers I'm going to list aren't better than Duke's numbers, but they're solid. They don't have any glaring weaknesses. Every other team that's a contender in this conference has at least one glaring weakness. Virginia Tech does not have any. 22nd in effective field goal percentage, 113th in rebounding, 113th in turnovers, 68th in defensive efficiency, 112th in opponent turnovers. I think if they're going to find success in the tournament, that's kind of what they need to focus on, is kind of forcing turnovers, especially if they play Duke, because that's where Duke's biggest weakness is, is. Duke is good everywhere. They don't force turnovers, though, at all. Now, I will list Duke's kind of numbers here for those same stats, just to kind of be fair and transparent here. 14th in effective field goal percentage, 44th in rebounding, 17th in turnovers, 49th in defense efficiency. They don't turn the ball over, but they don't force turnovers either. So once again, yes, Duke's the best team in the ACC. There's no question. Should they win? Yes, there's no question. Minus 145, I can't bet that. I think there's a lot better value on the board. I think Virginia Tech has that value, and I think Virginia Tech has a somewhat favorable path to the finals. They are the seven seed, so they don't have the double bye. They have the single bye, but then they play Clemson or NC State. That should be an easy win. An overrated Notre, Notre Dame team in the quarterfinals. That should be a win there. And then they probably going to take on UNC in the semis, who's, like I said, bad defensively. If they play Duke, it won't be until the final. And if you take Virginia Tech, you might have an opportunity to hedge in the final. I think the best value on the board. And it's kind of telling that they're better than their seeding indicates. The fact that um, they're like, depending on what book you're, you're looking at, they're like third, fourth, fifth. One book I looked at, they, they had Virginia Tech as the third shortest odds. They have Duke... UNC, and then Virginia Tech on the odds list in that order. So to give a team the third shortest odds, that's the seven seed in the tournament. And of course my cat is going to scratch at the door every five minutes because I'm recording a podcast. Uh, to give a team the third shortest odds when they're the seven seed in a tournament, that shows that books know that this team is better than their seeding in the record indicates. So long shot to start it off here. Um, I am going to be betting on favorites, though. I'm not just going to take 10-1, to 11-1 guys, uh, teams, that, you know, for all conference tournaments, but I think that's where the value is. I can't bet on Duke as minus 145 favorites. I just can't do it. So ACC, I am looking at Virginia Tech. I got them at 11-1. to 1. Now, this is a big one where you should shop around because I one of the other books I was looking at has Virginia Tech at 9-1. to 1. That's a pretty big difference, 9-1 to 1 to 11-1. to 1. So shop around. Um, I let you know I got Virginia Tech 11 to 1 at Caesars. 
uh, my one regulated book that had that thinks that doesn't think I'm dead. Uh, the, I use two offshores and one regulated. The only one who s- says I'm alive is Caesars. <laughs> that still pisses me off. Bet MGM, they're like, no, we uh, we have you as as deceased. I was like, how can I prove it? They're like, sorry, you can't. <laughs> it's like, what do you mean? I can't prove to you that I'm alive. There's just no way I can fix this issue. Nope, can't bet it. Bet MGM. So fuck them. Um, I'm a Caesars fan now. Uh, so Virginia Tech, eleven to one to win the ACC. Moving on to the Big Twelve here. So there's four top teams, and then basically everyone else. You got Baylor, Kansas, Texas Tech, Texas. You might be able to put TCU in that conversation at sixteen to one. They are a very good defensive team. They're not good enough offensively though they're like 220 something in like effective field goal percentage i don't really trust tcu and texas tech and texas i think are both overrated so i think it comes down to baylor and kansas and it's basically a coin flip so let me explain my positions on texas tech and texas because two very good defensive teams um but i'll start with texas tech here there's two big things that are huge concerns for me for texas tech number one turnovers 290th in turnovers per possession. That's tough. You can be as good as, as you want to be defensively. If you're going to be 290th in turnovers per possession, it's going to be hard to win basketball games, especially consecutive basketball games in a row against very good teams. Uh, another thing that's going to be big in these conference tournaments in March Madness, something that I don't necessarily handicap very much during uh, the regular season, but I certainly look at when it comes to March and these elimination games is free throw percentage. Texas Tech is 213th in free throw percentage. Not good. And then when it comes to Texas, a few things that concern me about Texas, not a very good shooting team. 177th in effective field goal percentage. And a huge concern with Texas this year, they're not turning the ball over like they did last year. If you remember last year, I, bet on, I did bet on Abilene Christian Moneyline against them in the first round of the tournament because of how much they turned the ball over. That's not their issue this year. But they foul a lot. 306th in the country in fouls per possession. That means some of their they if they keep fouling at that rate, their top players are going to get into foul trouble, and that's a disaster. In these conference tournament games, in these March Madness games, you need to have your best players on the floor as much as possible. Fouls are going to kill you. Putting other teams in bonus is going to kill you. And their offense is not good enough to be able to back that up. So I'm crossing Texas Tech and Texas off my board right away. It comes down to Baylor or Kansas. My book had them both at two to one, and I think that's the correct price. I think this is a I think this whole conference is a coin flip between Baylor and Kansas. So the reason why I took Baylor here is their path. So they got Oklahoma in the fir- in their first game. Should be an easy win for them there. Then they got the winner of Texas Tech and Iowa State. What are the two Texas teams? I think Texas Tech is the easier matchup. Texas uh Texas Tech has, like like I said earlier, with those turnovers, that's a big issue. Um, so, they, yeah, they, they beat Oklahoma. They should be able to beat Texas Tech, in my opinion. Um, and then they, and then they're probably going to take on Kansas in the final. Kansas, a little bit of a tougher path. Kansas State against the winner of Kansas State and West Virginia. I think both those, those teams could possibly present a challenge. I think they both present harder challenges than Oklahoma. And then they take on the winner of Texas and TCU. And if TCU wins, TCU is not an easy out. If TCU gets hot, and they've shown that a few times a season, if they have a good shooting game, they can beat anyone because of how good they are defensively. 
So I think Texas and TCU are both actually tougher challenges than either Texas Tech or Iowa State. So I think Baylor has a little bit of an easier path to the final here. Um, so for that reason, basically loan, because like I said, I think it's a coin flip between Baylor and Kansas. For that reason, I will take Baylor. I got them uh, at 2-1. to one. Uh, Moving on to the Pac-12. So this is the one conference I'm taking a minus money favorite here. Arizona, minus 120. Square play. I'm not going to hesitate, though. If you've been following my content, you know I've been on Arizona all college basketball season. I truly think they're the best team in the country. I actually think they are better than Gonzaga. I think they're more complete. There are two teams in the country right now. It used to be three. Houston fell out of one of these categories recently. But there are two teams in the country who rank in the top ten in offensive efficiency and defensive efficiency. One of those teams is Gonzaga. The other is Arizona. Only one of those teams actually plays in a good conference. That's Arizona. Uh, Houston was in that category as well. Houston has now dropped out of the top 10 in offense efficiency. Not only are they top 10 offensive efficiency and defense efficiency, Arizona also 7th in rebounding. This team has no holes. They can occasionally run into turnover issues. The losses they've suffered this issue are games that they've had turnover issues. They turned the ball over 16 times against Colorado in their latest loss. But they're still only 137th in turnovers per possession, so it's not a massive concern for me. Uh, but the best way to beat Arizona is to force turnovers and to force them to shoot the three ball. They're fifth in two-point field goal percentage, but 100th in three-point field goal percentage. That's kind of how Colorado beat them. Arizona had one of their worst shooting performances of the season. They forced 16 turnovers. That can happen. And then nobody else in the Pac-12 is a good shooting team at all, or at least the contenders. UCLA, 152nd in effective field goal percentage. USC, 128th. Colorado, 149th. Oregon, 112th. No team measures up to Arizona. I think the only other team you might be able to bet on is maybe UCLA. I mean, if they get hot shooting, they can beat this Arizona team. That's it. Colorado could be a sneaky dark bet, though, or dark horse bet, to be honest, at 40-1. to 1. If you want a long shot bet to win a conference tournament, I would say Colorado at 40 to 1 is your best bet. I'm not betting on it, but if you're a wild man and you want a, a long shot to win a conference tournament in a major conference, uh, take a look at Colorado at 40 to 1. They already beat Arizona. That was at home, though, to be to be fair, and Colorado is the best home quarter advantage over any team in the country. Uh, but 40 to 1, that's a that's an interesting price. So Arizona, go Wildcats, minus 120. I hate taking minus money when it comes to uh, tournament futures, but they're the only team that I think will will like. I, I I can't really make a strong case for any other team. Arizona's too complete; they're too good. I have them at uh, what did I get them at? I think twenty to one to win the national championship early in the year. Don't quote me on that though, but I, I got a pretty good price on them, so I'm, I'm holding an Arizona futures ticket as well. Uh, so that, that's, I mean, that's a pretty quick breakdown of a conference tournament for the Pac-12, but I don't really have much else to say. I think it's Arizona or no one. Minus 120. Uh, the Big East. Fascinating. This is why I kind of really wanted to go to the Big East tournament live, because this is such a fascinating, fascinating tournament, because this conference is so, so competitive. Uh, the website I grabbed the odds from... Have uh, Villanova plus 150, Yukon plus 325, Providence plus 500, Marquette plus 800, Creighton plus 1200, Xavier plus 1600, Seton Hall plus 2000, St. John's plus 2200, and then Butler 5000, DePaul 8000, Georgetown, like a million to one. So really, if you go off the odds, I mean, 
eight teams at 22 to 1 odds or shorter. That's crazy. Now, this is similar to Duke, where Villanova, I will admit, is the best team statistically out of this bunch. But to bet on Villanova plus 150 in a conference that is so competitive, it's I can't do it. So like almost any team in this conference could beat Villanova on any, on any given night. Maybe not the bottom three. I'd even take out like Seton Hall and St. John's, Butler, DePaul, Georgetown. But like the top six teams, anyone could win. So I'm going to treat this similar to the ACC as well and cross teams off for certain reasons. And then the team that I'm left with is the team I'm going to bet on. UConn, I'm crossing them off. Even though they have the second shortest odds, they're one of the worst shooting, or they are the worst shooting team out of all these top teams in the conference. 179th in effective field goal percentage. I don't, I can't bet on a team at plus 325 to win a conference title, to win a conference tournament, who is 179th in effective field goal percentage. Can't do it. They're off the list. Marquette, I like them a lot. They are similar to uh, who was it in the ACC that can't rebound? Miami, I believe. Yeah, Miami. They're like the Miami of the Big East. Can't rebound. 305th in the country in rebounding. Once again, not a super important stat, but I can't bet on a team to win three games in a row who's going to get over-rebounded every single time. Creighton, like them. Good shooting team, good defensive team. Turnovers are their issue. 308th in turnovers per possession. And then Xavier's just not... I mean, 16-1, to Seton Hall, 20-1, to St. John's, 22-1. to Just not good enough teams for me to want to back. So that kind of leaves me with Providence. And that's what I'm going to bet on. I got them at 5-1. to one. Now, a lot has been being made about Providence this year, about being fraudulent, about being lucky. Uh, Ken Palm, they rank first in the country in luck percentage. I don't really know how he measures luck. And I guess I could have looked into that. I think it's based on uh, the like making shots that are technically bad shots. I think people need to take take a take kind of that big of an advanced stat with a little bit of a grain of salt. Because when I look at Providence, and listen, I'm the king of calling teams frauds. When I look at Providence, they are a good team. They sure that some bounces might have gone their way this this season. Sure, but they're not like a Wisconsin where you list their 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 stats and say, oh, this team's no, this team doesn't seem like they'd be good. Providence is 75th in offensive efficiency, 86th in defensive efficiency. Um, Villanova, by comparison, 14th in offensive efficiency, so quite a bit better offensively, but 81st in defensive efficiency, so basically the same teams defensively. And also, a lot of these stats for the Big East are a little bit deceiving. These teams are actually better than their stats show because of how competitive the Big East is. They have no cupcake games. Maybe Georgetown, I guess, are cupcake games for them, and maybe DePaul. But they don't have teams like other conferences had where they're going to win by 20 points every single time. They don't have cupcakes games where they get to boost their stats. Every single game is a hard-fought battle with how competitive this conference is. So they don't rank as high as maybe they should or they deserve to be just because every single game is a tough battle. So Providence is in the top 100 in almost every single major statistic that you look at. Like I said, once again, sure, they had a couple bounces go their way. Sure, I do think Villanova is probably the best team in the conference. But at 5-1 to one to win this conference tournament, and they match up well with Villanova. Villanova's 59th in opponent, and sorry, 
Uh, Villanova is a three-point shooting team. We all know this. Providence is 59th in opponent three-point field goal percentage. So they have a good perimeter defense. I believe they also have an easier, easier path. Let me bring up the, uh, the Big East bracket here. So Providence will take on the winner of Xavier and Butler. That should be an easy win. And then they take on the winner of Creighton and Marquette in the semifinals. Marquette can't rebound. Creighton turns the ball over. I see no reason why Providence won't be in the final. Meanwhile, Villanova will probably take on, uh, well, Saint. assume it's St. John's. They'll beat them. Uh, but Villanova has a tougher semifinal matchup, which is likely going to be UConn. I think that's a tougher matchup than Providence playing either Creighton or Marquette. So Providence is in the final. If you bet on them to win the tournament, they're probably going to be an underdog to Villanova. Uh, you, but it, the spread might be small, so he might have a chance to hedge. I think Providence has a value. I just can't, with how competitive this conference is, I can't bet on Villanova plus 150, despite I recognize that statistically they are the best team in the conference. So I will take Providence uh, plus 500, 5 to 1 for the Big East. Then we are moving on to the Big Ten, another very competitive conference. Sportsbook I copied and pasted these odds from uh, Purdue, Illinois, Iowa, Wisconsin, Rutgers, Ohio State, Michigan, Indiana, Michigan State. All 25 to 1 or shorter. And then Maryland, Northwestern, Penn State, Nebraska, and Minnesota have no shot. I'm not going to do the rant on Wisconsin again. This is They're like the titans of, of, of the college basketball season. I, I'm sick of trying, trying to kind of explain my point. I wrote an article about it a few weeks back. If you just like Google... Uh, uh, college basketball frauds, Wisconsin fan sided. It'll come up. You know what? Let me actually just bring up that article here. College basketball frauds, fan sided. Now, the stats I'm going to list are a little outdated because this article was written a couple weeks ago or last week. So, slightly outdated, but, but they're going to be similar. If I listed these numbers for you, if I didn't tell you who this team was and I listed the numbers and these five key stats, so just turn your mind off. Don't really like don't think about who this is. Just let me list these numbers. 247th in effective field goal percentage, 137th in opponent effective field goal percentage, 101st in offensive efficiency, 101st in defensive efficiency, 167th in rebounding rate. They don't rank in the top 100 in the country in any of those five stats. If you just heard me list those stats, would you assume that that team is a co-conference champion and has the potential to go on a run in March, a deep run. No. Those are the stats of an average team. They are a one-man team with Johnny Davis. He's clearly one of the best team players in the country, but as a whole, this team is not as good as the record indicates, and the odds makers agree to me because they're listed fourth on the odds list and a wide gap below Purdue, Illinois, and Iowa. So I'm not crazy. The odds makers agree with me. I would stay far away from Wisconsin to win the Big Ten tournament um, at 7-1. 252nd right now, as of recording this, an effective field goal percentage. That's not the mark of a good team. Now, other, other teams I'm crossing off my list to win the Big Ten. Crossing off Purdue. They have issues defensively. 175th in defensive efficiency. Ohio State, 223rd in defensive efficiency. Another issue with Purdue, actually. Let me go back to them. 215th in free throw percentage. So, not good on defense. Not a good free throw shooting team, which is going to come and haunt you late in games. They're the favorite of plus 220, um, despite them being the number three seed. 
Don't believe in them either. I think you have to bet on one of two teams. I think you have to bet either Illinois or Iowa. I took Illinois, and I took them at plus 350. The reason why is because, well, listen, Illinois is the number one seed. They have to play one fewer game because Iowa only has one bye. Illinois, Illinois has a double bye. And they're, and they're just a, they're, they're a complete team. Kofi Coburn. And their odds are only like 25 cents shorter than Iowa. Illinois plus 350, Iowa plus 375. Iowa's a sneaky good team, but they have to play that extra game. Their odds are only slightly longer. I think Illinois is the most complete team here. 41st in effective field goal percentage, 89th in defensive efficiency, 30th in offensive efficiency, 22nd in rebounding, and like as I mentioned, Kofi Coburn. So I'm going to go Illinois plus 350 to win the Big Ten. Uh, if you want a dark horse for this conference, check out Michigan. Somewhere around 10 to 1. They're very good everywhere, which kind of surprised me. Now, they do have defensive issues. 231st in defensive efficiency. But statistically, they're very close to a Purdue, who's the favorite. Because Purdue is also a very good shooting team, very good in other areas. They're plus 220, but they're 175th in defensive efficiency. Michigan is very close to Purdue in a lot of numbers. Also bad defensively, but 10 to 1. So, dark horse to win the Big Ten for me would be Michigan. I'm not going to bet them, though. I'm going to stick to Illinois, plus 350 to win the Big Ten. Moving on, and this is the last major conference we're going to talk about, is the SEC. Um, And I'm, do I have the SEC bracket here? Nope, lost that one at some point as well. Oh, well, Uh, I'm going to take uh, a long shot here as well. And I, to be honest, I I question myself, but I I don't really know who else to bet on here. SEC is going to be an interesting one. I'm going to take LSU, and I got them at 11 to 1 as well. Same price as Virginia Tech. Uh, some of the big teams better than them, I have a lot of concerns about. Tennessee, 174th in effective field goal percentage. Arkansas is 216th. LSU is only 204th in effective field goal percentage, but they're better defensively than those two teams, and they have a lot longer odds. So I just think LSU is a value bet here. LSU, 5th in defensive efficiency, 4th in opponent turnovers per possession, so they cause a lot of turnovers, 16th in offensive rebounding rate. A lot of numbers that can make them dangerous. I don't know why I don't have the bracket up here. Alright, i got to bring up this bracket. I'll be right back. Okay, so LSU doesn't have the double bye, but they're going to have an easy game in Ole Miss or Missouri in, the, in, in their first game. Then take on an Arkansas team that is 216th in effective field goal percentage and not nearly as good as defense uh, defensively as LSU is. And then they take on Auburn, which I think is one of the more overrated teams in the country. Auburn doesn't isn't fantastic at anything. They're not terrible at anything either. Uh, but Auburn being a number one seed is is questionable. Uh, I mean, obviously they are because the record, but uh, I think Auburn is overrated. And then really, the, like their toughest competition is going to be Kentucky, who is the favorite for good reason. Uh, but LSU won't see them until the final. So I think the bracket kind of breaks in LSU's favor as well. Like I said, one of the best defensive teams in the country. One of the best teams at forcing turnovers. Very good offensive rebounding rate, which is a sneaky good stat to look at in these kinds of tournaments. Yes, they're on a great shooting team. Uh, but I kind of hope they get hot. I just think... 11 to 1 is good value, and I don't see value anywhere else on the board in the SEC. So I don't love it, 
But I, I, I just don't know who else to bet on. Kentucky is the deserving favorite. They're probably going to win. But Kentucky has to play a dangerous Alabama team, likely in their first game. And I would not bet on Alabama because their numbers are horrid. But if Alabama gets hot from three and they have a few times a season, they can beat anyone in the country. The issue is, is they hardly ever get hot from three. They're one of the worst three-point shooting teams in the country, but they keep shooting them. But at times they get hot from three, and when they do, good luck beating them. And then Kentucky has to play probably Tennessee, which is another tough matchup. I think Tennessee and Kentucky are both better than Auburn. So I think the bracket breaks LSU's favor. They're a good defensive team. They do a lot of things well. 11-1, to 1, I think, is a, good, is a good long shot bet for them. So LSU to win the SEC, 11-1. to 1. Those are the major conferences. Really quick, I have three uh, picks for other tournaments that I have locked in. Uh, the Mountain West, I'm going to ride with Wyoming. I got them at plus 750. Shop around for that number as well because one of my books have them down at 6-1. to one, uh, But one of my other books have them at plus 750. Uh, easier side of the bracket. Longest odds of the four teams who I think can win it. So I think the four teams that can win the Mountain West, which has been a fantastic conference to watch this year, is Boise State, Wyoming, Colorado State, and San Diego State. I think it's going to be one of those four teams, no question. And even though Boise State is the number one seed, I actually think they're the weakest team of the four. And Wyoming's already beat Boise State this year. And they're on Boise State's side of the bracket. Now, I will say an issue, though, with betting on Wyoming, and probably why their odds are so long, uh, is because they have the toughest quarterfinals matchup. Uh, They take on UNLV, who also has a bye, uh, who is... I would say just a smidge outside of the top four, like it's the top four teams, and then UNLV slightly below them. Whereas the other teams, like Boise State's going to crush Nevada or New Mexico State. Colorado State's probably going to beat Utah State or Air Force. San Diego State's going to crush whoever it is between Fresno State and San Jose State. So Wyoming does have a tough quarterfinals matchup, but if they get past them, I think they match up well with Boise State. I think they can beat them again, and then they're in the championship game. And we're talking a team that has the uh, longest of longest odds of the four top teams. So I think that's a great bet to win the Mountain West. Wyoming plus 750. Another team I'm looking at is the in the Atlantic 10. I'm going to take Davidson plus 325. Um, Dayton, it's really it's going to be Davidson or Dayton out of the A10. Dayton, very good defensively. Dayton turns the ball over a ton. I didn't write it down here, but they're like 280th or something in turnovers. That might come back to haunt them. A lot of their other numbers are very comparable to Davidson. Davidson, a little bit better odds. So uh, I'm going to take Davidson plus 325 to win the A10. Uh, and then the Big West. Now, you're probably saying, Ian, you're probably going to take your UC Irvine Anteaters to win the Big West. Surprisingly, no. Um, and this is another one that you should actually shop around for the price. Because um, one book, like even some books have difference for like who's who's the favorite. Uh, one book has UC Irvine as the favorite. Another one has Long Beach State as the favorite. Uh, UC Irvine should not be the favorite by any stretch of the imagination. They can't shoot this season. As much as it pains pains me to say it, the Anteaters stink. Very good defensively. Can't hit the ocean from a boat with their shots. One of the worst shooting teams in the country, and that is shown all season. I don't know why they're a favorite at a couple books, or most books, I should say. Um, so I'm going to take uh, Santa Barbara, the team that won it last year, plus 450. When you look at the statistics only, if you just base this off statistics, Santa Barbara is by far the best team in the Big West. If you were to tell me, Ian, I want to bet on one conference tournament future, which one are you the most confident in? I would say it's UCSB plus 450 to win the Big West. Honestly. 
39th in effective field goal percentage, 76th in defensive efficiency. They are good basically everywhere on the court, whereas all other Big West teams have big weaknesses in in, in at least one area. So uh, those three kind of mid-major picks, UCSB plus 450, Wyoming plus 750, and Davidson plus 325. Now, if we're talking national championship picks, um, I'm just sticking to my Arizona bet. Uh, And actually, let me check to see what odds I got Arizona at. I got Arizona at 14 to 1. So they're up to like plus 650. So I, I got some good value on that based on where they're at right now. Uh, I, plus 650. I think the value's gone though with Arizona. Let's see how they do in the conference tournament. Let's see if they can win the Bat Pack 12. Two teams that I haven't bet on them yet. I might bet on them at some point tomorrow. I'm still kind of stewing in my head if I want to uh, have more liability in the futures market. Um, but I'll, I'll give them to you because I do think they are two good value picks. One is Villanova. 25 to 1. Very good team. And like I mentioned earlier when talking with the Big East, their stats are a little bit misleading. They are better than where they rank in a lot of those stats just because of how competitive the Big East is, and they have very few cupcake games on their schedule. So I think Villanova is still a very good team. Even if they don't win the Big East, they can make a deep run in the tournament. 25 to 1 of Villanova. And the other is a uh, team that I did pick to win the tournament. That's Illinois. 45 to 1. I think that's fantastic value for an Illinois team. Listen, there is more parity in college basketball this year than I think I've seen in any other college basketball season. I think it's Gonzaga and Arizona and then a large gap in everyone else. But we've seen what happens with the Gonzaga in tournaments, and Arizona is certainly not bulletproof either. Illinois, 45-1 to with how complete of a team they are. Few, if any, weaknesses. Kofi Coburn, I like them a lot of 45-1. to You want a long shot to win it all? Michigan at 125 to 1. Um, they might not even make the tournament to be fair, but they have the talent to do it. They've underperformed all season, but they have a very uh they have a lot of talent on that team. As I mentioned earlier when talking about them when I was talking about the Big 10 tournament, uh is they do they are weak defensively, but if they can figure that out and kind of lock down lock things down on defense and they make the tournament at 125 to 1, why not? So there you have it. That's my uh, conference tournament picks. A few dark horses for the national championship. Uh, we're going to move on now to the players' championship. Uh, before that, we're going to take a quick break. You may or may not hear an ad, and then we'll be right back. All right. The players' championship, one of my favorite tournaments to bet on. To be honest, I actually like betting on it more than the PGA Championship and the U.S. Open. Like, it's definitely a top five if not top three ter- favorite tournament for me to bet on number one's probably the masters number two might be sneakily the wgc match play which is coming up in a couple weeks uh then i, I think number three is the players uh no, could be could fall to number four maybe the open might take number three but massive event at this point they may as well call it a major a 20 million dollar purse all the top players will be playing uh, except for DeChambeau's not because he's hurt and phil mickelson because he's either on an unofficial suspension or a secret suspension or he's just giving himself a little time out for the whole Saudi issue uh, but not only that very fun course to watch fun course to bet on obviously the memorable 17th hole the most famous hole in all of golf I would say if not you know one of the most famous holes the island green uh, just a, fi- a very fun event TPC Sawgrass we all know this course if you're a fan of golf whatsoever the number one thing to keep in mind when choosing who to bet on this week whether you decide to tail my picks or go your own way or do a daily fantasy lineup 
driving accuracy. TPC Sawgrass is some of the best placed hazards on the tour schedule. Having hazards is one thing. Having hazards in the right spot can make or break a tournament on the PJ Tour. Because if you just have a hazard like in the middle of nowhere or like way off to the left, you have to hit a terrible shot to get to that spot, and there's not really any reason to even be close to there. A lot of the holes of the TPC Sawgrass, which what makes them interesting, is that the hazards are placed in a spot where they're kind of the areas you want to aim. If you get a little aggressive and you hit it like right next to the hazards, you're going to be in a perfect spot to attack the pin. But then you run into the issue of if you're just a little, if your accuracy is just a little bit off off the tee, you're going to find a lot of those hazards, a lot of bad sand bunkers, a lot of water. So driving accuracy is paramount at TPC Sawgrass. Distance, not super helpful. A lot of short hitters have won this event. Distance can help, but I would certainly focus on accuracy when you're talking about off the tee. Now, outside of that, in terms of stats, unfortunately, I don't have a lot for you. A lot of different types of golfers can win this event. There's nothing really that sticks out. Like last um, last week at the Arnold Palmer Invitational, or was it a couple events before, but some events will have like a ton of approach shots from like 200 plus yards. I can't remember if it was last week or, or the Genesis. Um, but you, then you want to kind of find golfers who are, I think it was last week. Uh, you want to find golfers who are accurate from 200 plus yards because there's a lot of approach shots that are over 200 yards. Players Championship doesn't really have that. It's a little bit of everything. A ton of different styles can win this. Long hitters can win it. Like Rory has won it. Shorter hitters like Webb Simpson uh, can win it. So what I would say, if you're going to handicap this event yourself, if you're going to look at the stats, focus on driving accuracy. And then after that, just general strokes gained. Strokes gained approaching the green. Strokes gained around the green. Strokes gained putting. Strokes gained tee to green. I don't have a lot of specific stats for you this week. It's just kind of general stats. And you want to look at, definitely you want to look at recent recent form, which has been a huge indicator. Uh, of success at TPC Sawgrass. I think I read somewhere, don't quote me on this, because it's just kind of coming up in memory now, and I don't have the tweet in front of me, but I'm th- pretty sure I read today someone tweeted out that like the past number of winners of this event have finished fourth or better at some point during the same season. So that's something to keep in mind, but my point still stands. Recent form, big. Now, the other thing that you use quite a bit is course history. Now, I will cite that a little bit when I'm talking about my picks, but be kind of careful with course history because the Players' Championship was historically played in May. It got moved to March in 2019, so it's only been in March for uh, three years now. And while you think the two months isn't that big of a difference, it's a huge difference when it comes to how grass performs on a golf course. It's now overseeded in March. Uh, because it's a little bit of a colder month. So when it comes to grass, it doesn't quite play the same in March as it does in May. Now, with that being said, the course is still the course. The design's still the same. Driving accuracy has always been important. So you can still use course history, um, but you definitely want to look at like the past couple of years and how how golfers have done just the past couple of years. Um, So that's kind of my quick handicap. Uh, for the event, I got three outright picks. I got a few dark horse guys and then a few guys to avoid. So let's get into it right now. My first uh, pick here, uh, Colin Morikawa, uh, 14-1. to 1. He's going to be a very popular pick this week. This is not a dark horse pick. This is not a surprising pick. Uh, but I've yet to win money on a Colin Morikawa victory, and I'm not going to let that happen again. 
And I actually think we're getting some value on him in this event because he hasn't won on the PGA Tour yet this season. But, in my opinion, he's been putting up even better numbers than he did last year, especially with his putting. Let's kind of list off a few stats here and where he ranks heading into this event. First, in strokes gained total. That is massive. First, in scoring average. Massive. Though I mean, that's... <laughs> Statistically, he's the best golfer on tour right now. First in those three, I mean, total strokes gain and scoring average are, are the two big ones. If you lead in both those categories, you're performing the best out of all the golfers on the PJ Tour, statistically. Then a few others. Driving accuracy, 12th, which I said was important. Strokes gain approach to the green, 4th. Strokes gain tee to green, 6th. Birdie average, 5th. And the big one, strokes gain putting. In the past, I wasn't betting on Morikawa. Last season, I wasn't betting on Morikawa because his putting numbers weren't good. This season, he's one of the best putters on the PJ Tour. Fourth in strokes gained putting. That's unbelievable. At 14-1, to even though it's a short price, and I think he's second on the odds list or even a co-favorite, that's value. I think he's going to get his first win of the season here. I even saw a prop bet that I might sprinkle on of uh, Morikawa to win both the players and the Masters at like 225-1. to Actually, as insane of a bet as that is, that might actually have some value. That was at Bovada for anyone who's interested. Uh, So first pick, Colin Morikawa, 14-1. Second pick, guy I've already bet on this year and a guy I've won on this year. uh, Hideki Matsuyama, 30-1. to Um... One of only two golfers who have two wins so far this season, him and Scotty Scheffler. He's always done well at TPC Sawgrass. He's third in the field this week in average strokes gained per round at the course. Now, to my previous point of it's a little bit different now that it's in March, but even since March, he finished eighth in 2019. And then in 2020, if you remember, he tied the course record in the opening round. And then the event was, of course, canceled because of COVID. Uh, I always, I'll always feel bad for Matsuyama because he was on fire in that first round. Couldn't miss. And then they canceled the event. Uh, so Matsuyama has done well here historically, even since the move to March. He ranks 11th in strokes gained TD Green. He's yet to miss a cut all season. I think 30-1 to 1 is a disrespectful price on Matsuyama. Uh, so that's my second pick is Matsuyama. By the way, I'm putting one unit on all these. I'm getting aggressive. And my third outright pick to win is a guy who I bet on last week. That's Matt Fitzpatrick. I'm backing him for a second straight week for good reason. With the kind of numbers he's putting up, I don't think it's a matter of if he's going to win on tour this year. It's a matter of when. when. This may surprise you. Matt Fitzpatrick ranks second on the PGA Tour in total strokes gained. That's right. Statistically, when it comes to strokes gained, it is Colin Morikawa number one. It is Matt Fitzpatrick number two, and you can get him at 40 to one. Makes no his price makes no sense this week. Seventeenth in strokes gained approach, fourth in strokes gained putting, fairly accurate driver, sixty-fifth in driving accuracy. He also finished ninth here last season, so he's already had success in T- at TPC Sawgrass in March at forty to one. If you're looking for a guy who's you know not at the top of the odds list, that's a fantastic bet. I love these three outright picks. Once again, I got Colin Morikawa fourteen to one, Hideki Matsuyama thirty to one, Matt Fitzpatrick at forty to one. Now, a few Dark Horse bets that I have. Now, my books haven't released top 5, top 10, or top 20 odds yet, but both these guys are going to be betting top 20. 
Um, I actually have three guys I'm going to bet top 20. If you want to take them to win, sure. Uh, I'm not going to take them to win. I'm going to be a little bit... I already have three outright picks, but I'm going to bet all these three guys top 20. One is Sergio Garcia. He's available to win at 80, 80 to 1. Once again, don't have top 5, top 10, or top 20 odds, but I'll place him. Whatever it is, I'll take him top 20. He's always, always... Nobody has been more consistent than Sergio Garcia at the players. 22 times he's played at the Players' Championship. He's made the cut 20 times. 20 out of 22 cuts made. 18 straight cuts cuts made. Uh, he was 90-1 to one last year. He led after round one. He was third. He was in third place after 36 holes. He finished ninth. He's always done well here, even since his move to March. By the way, those stats were tweeted out by at TomJacobs93. Um, but he's always, always done well at the Players' Championship even since it's moved to March. That kind of course history, even with even considering the, the move to March, I think that that's worth a sprinkle at 20 to 1. And he's been all right this year. He's been fine. Um, yeah, so Sergio Garcia is going to be a top 20 for me. Luke List is at 150 to 1 to win. This is a guy who's already won the Farmers Insurance Open this year. He's second in strokes gained tee to green, 17th in strokes gained approach, 19th in strokes gained around the green, 10th in greens in regulation, and he's 150 to 1. Those odds are insane for a guy who's second on the PGA Tour in strokes gained tee to green. Now, to be fair, he's 204th in putting, and that's why he's 150 to 1. But, I mean, anyone can get hot with their putter on any given weekend. And this guy's already done it at the Farmers. 150 to 1. I'm not going to bet on him to win, but I will bet on him whatever, whatever his odds are to finish in the top 20. You have to get some kind of action on Luke List, I'm telling you. Second strokes gained tee to green on the PGA Tour, and he's 150 to 1. The disrespect. I will not stand for Luke List's dis- disrespect on this podcast. The other guy, who's also at 150 to 1, Kevin Kisner. This guy has kind of become a popular bet because of his ties with Barstool. Um, But I think this course fits uh, his style of play. I actually bet on him to miss the cut last week and it cashed for me. Uh, But I'm going to bet on him to finish in the top 20 this week. I preached earlier about how important driving accuracy is. Well, Kevin Kisner leads the PJ Tour in driving accuracy. He's literally first in driving accuracy. First in driving accuracy, 14th in greens and regulation. 23rd in putting. He finished second place here back in 2015. I think it's a good value bet. As long as he can keep that driver accurate, he's going to be in contention, or not in contention. He's going to make the cut, and then we'll see what happens with him on the weekend. So Kevin Kisner, 150 to 1, but I will be betting on him top 20, whatever his odds are. So Sergio, Luke List, Kevin Kisner, a few dark horse top 20 bets you may want to eye. And then finally, a few guys um, that I think you should avoid. Um, one is the defending champion, Justin Thomas. Few big concerns I have for him this season so far. One, he's 154th in driving accuracy. When he's had issues, his issues have come with accuracy off the tee, and you can't be inaccurate off the tee here. You just can't. You get in too many issues. Not only that, he's 126th in putting. He's always a good iron player, always will be, but until he sharpens up his accuracy and his putting, I would stay away from him, especially considering he's... Three shortest odds. Another guy I'd stay away from is another guy at the top of the odds list, John Rahm. He leads in just about every single ball striking category on the PGA Tour, like top two, top three. 
But so far this season, he's 177th in strokes gained around the green, 135th in strokes gained putting. Unless he gets those two things sorted out, it's going to be hard for him to win an event as stacked as this one. So I would stay away from John Rahm. Now, once again, I say this, watch one of these two guys win. Finally, everyone's big on Victor Hovland as well, for good reason. He has been fantastic lately. But in case you didn't know, he's 216th in strokes gained around the green. His chipping is terrible. He said it last week. He said it himself after the API. He said he, he literally said he sucks at chipping. He has to work on a short game. 216th in strokes gained around the green. Now, if he hits every single green, then that's not going to be an issue for him. But he lost the Arnold Palmer Invitational because of his chipping. Truly. So, until he shortens up that chipping game, I will stay away from him, even though the rest of his game is good enough to carry him to win some events. I can't bet on a guy with that bad at chipping, especially at, at, at TPC Sawgrass, where that could be an issue. So, I'm staying away from Justin Thomas, John Rahman, Victor Hovland. I explained why. Use that information however you want to. There you have it. That was a stacked podcast. Uh, it's now 1 a.m., and I still got to edit this and put it up and then wake up tomorrow morning to start work. So, uh, it's going to be a sleepy day for me on Tuesday. Uh, thank you all for listening, though. Uh, let me know what you think, who you're betting on to win uh, the conference tournaments, who you're betting on to win the players. My DMs on Twitter are always open. Subscribe to the podcast, rate it, review it, all that good stuff. I love you all. And I will talk to you next week because I will be betting on every single game of the March Madness Tournament. I think I did that last year. I'm going to try it again this year. So tune in for that. But this has been the March 8th episode of the Bacon Bets Podcast. Until next time, talk to you later. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Save big money on your outdoor project now at Menards. We have everything you need to keep your outdoor power equipment running smooth so you can keep that lawn in tip-top shape or enjoy some time on your boat. Right now, all FVP, lawn and garden, and marine batteries are on sale through May 5th. Check out our entire selection of FVP batteries today and view our weekly flyer on Menards.com for more great deals. Save